Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on. Good morning, Covenant College. Guys, I'm so honored and delighted to have this opportunity to testify before my covenant brothers and sisters today. I want to give some love to the brethren. I love those boys so much. I've had the pleasure of being their RA for two years now, and they've been great friends and a wonderful blessing to me. Love you guys. Someone at church asked me recently, what was the greatest thing that you learned at Covenant? What was your biggest takeaway from your college experience? And what has formed you more than anything else at Covenant? And honestly, it did not take me long to answer. In all things Christ preeminent, I answered. The phrase, in all things Christ preeminent, is not just a slogan. It's a lifestyle. It's a mindset. It is a heart disposition. And if you came to Covenant, went through all your classes, did all the things, graduated with a 4.0 GPA, but did not come out of Covenant with that mindset of the exercise of the preeminence of Christ in all things, in the words of Jay Sklar, you did not get it. I'm thankful that God has brought me to this place for many reasons, but nothing has done more to change my whole mindset than Covenant's commitment to the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ over everything. In my testimony today, I want to accomplish two things. First, I want to bring glory to Jesus. I want to do this by boasting in my weakness and by testifying to the patience and compassion of the great shepherd of our souls. Second, I want to provide hope and encouragement to whoever is listening this morning. Now, before we jump in, let's pray. Father in heaven, I ask for your help. Empower me by your spirit to testify to the beauty of Jesus Christ. Let Christ be in the eyes of all that see me. Christ be in the ears of all who hear me. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. For my testimony, I'm going to focus on an experience that was particularly formative for me during my time at Covenant. My freshman year was exhilarating for me. I was developing deep relationships and I was being nourished by the rich theology that I was being fed at the college. I'd come from a Pentecostal tradition. Come on. And I was so enamored with the Reformed theology that I was learning at Covenant. In other words, I was on a spiritual high. But the transition between my freshman and sophomore years proved to be the most trying time for my faith that I've experienced. In the summer of 2019, I entered the darkest period of my life. What happened was seemingly unprompted, and I had no explanation we call that spiritual warfare. I entered a period, of deep, a period of deep despair and isolation from God. All assurance of the salvation that was so sweet and present, present to me was ripped away. 
I began to doubt God. Had he abandoned me? Had I betrayed him and disgraced the cross of Christ through my sin too many times? These doubts swarmed me like mosquitoes in the swamp on a summer evening. I was ashamed and afraid. I was afraid because Christ was silent. My sin seemed to be so loud. I was ashamed because my faith was weak, like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. The darkness of that time was so oppressive that I wept for hours on end daily. I pleaded with, I pleaded with Christ persistently through tears to restore me to the joy of his salvation. My fear was almost constant. I was working as an intern with my church at that time, and I would take breaks just to get away from people so that I could plead with the Lord for relief. I was afraid that I was going to lose what was most precious to me, Christ. And I was angry because Jesus was letting me flounder like this. Why was he silent? To be honest, the sorrow was so great that I thought I was going to die from it. But guys, how amazing is Jesus' compassion for those in despair and for the doubters. Jesus is so patient with doubters. I want you to think of Peter this morning. His faith was so strong at one point that he called to the Lord, Lord, if it is you, bid me come to you on the water. Yet a moment later, like mist driven by the wind, his faith fled and he doubted. I want all of you to hear this passage this morning and absorb it. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. That was from Matthew 14, 29 through 30. Guys, how beautiful is that? So beautiful. Look how patient is. Jesus is with doubters. Jesus did not let Peter sink, and he will not let you sink either. And praise the Lord, he did not let me sink. Though for many long weeks I cried out and found little solace, he reached down and pulled me out of that despair and brought me to the joy of his salvation yet again. I'm going to read another passage, and we're going to get a little exegetical with this one. <laughs> In John 10, 27 through 30, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Thank you, Lord. I want to highlight four promises that Christ gives in this passage concerning his sheep. 
First, Christ promises that he gives his sheep eternal life. Second, Christ promises that those to whom he has given eternal life, his sheep, shall never perish. Amazing. Third, he declares that no one can snatch them out of his hand. And finally, Christ says that no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And by saying that the Father keeps the sheep, our Lord is making known to his saints that the whole of the Godhead is unified in working to ensure the safety of the sheep so that we may even be more confident. Now, I'm going to get a little modal with this. Not the Trinitarian heresy, modalism, but, <laughs> but logical, modal logic for you philosophy people out there. <laughs> These promises carry with them three impossibilities. First, it is impossible for any of Jesus' sheep to be snatched out of his hand. Secondly, it is impossible for any of Jesus' sheep to perish. Okay. Sorry. I went off grid, sorry. <laughs> and finally, it is impossible for anything to snatch the children of God out of the Father's hand. John Calvin, commenting on this passage, said that even though our faith is weak and we are too prone to waver, the salvation of the elect is not less certain than the power of God is invincible. We are too prone to waver. But the salvation of the elect is not less certain than the power of God is invincible. In other words, it is absolutely impossible if you are in Christ to sink and to drown. Of those who are not in Christ, he says, surely you set them in slippery places and their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand. But that is not what the Lord says about those who have set their hopes on Jesus. Of those whom Christ has called his little sheep, the psalmist says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And for those in Christ, he says, he will give his angels charge of you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. If the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power upholds you, then you are totally secure in his care. I say these things today because some of you are in that place of doubt and despair right now. If you are experiencing something like this right now, I hope that you're encouraged by what I've said. I want you to hear this again. Jesus will guard you. Nothing, not even you, is able to snatch you out of his hand. He will not let you sink. It is a literal impossibility that he could let you fall. I also want you guys to know that God can handle your snotty, 
dramatic doubt. God has huge metaphorical traps, guys. Huge. <laughs> Load them up. Load those laments and doubts on him. Come on. One of the things that we highlighted in Dr. Jones' class on the Psalms this semester that struck me was just how attentive God is to the cries of his people. In the Psalms, God is not near as interested in being just as he is in listening to the cries of his people. The psalmist says that God puts all of our tears into a bottle. Guys, cry out to him. Load those giant, metaphorical, divine shoulders up with your cries. It may take a long time for him to answer, but I promise, he promises in his word that he is very attentive to the cries of his sheep. And I say these things because some of you have experienced this kind of despair and can praise God with me for his patience. And I say these things because some of, not some of you, all of you will experience despair. And you need to know that Jesus will keep you to the very end. Guys, there is light at the end of the tunnel. I love football. Thank you. We gotta pray. We gotta pray. Um, Father in heaven, thank you for your presence among us. I pray for Margaret as she comes up to speak, that you would empower her by your spirit to testify today. In your name we pray. Amen.